You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 189, Whitesnake, Slide It In, U.S. Release. And coming to you from the Canadian-American suburbs of Chicago, I am your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Matola. <laughs> that was very, did we rehearsing that? <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> All right. All right. So, uh, so who is your daddy? Or was that just like, you just saw that movie and we're thinking about it? No, it wasn't. I was just, you remember the old Arnold soundboards? You remember when that was a thing? I don't. No? No, not really. It was, um, it was like this phenomenon. I want to say like 10 years ago or something. It was like, they, they came up with it like on a, a browser. I think it was before smartphones. So like became big. So maybe like what, 10, 12 years ago, whatever. And you could just and trigger it, like different Arnie. Uh, yeah. They were just all buttons with like his quotes on them and you would click it and he'd just be like, you know, you son of a bitch. And just all stuff from his. Considered different a divorce. From, exactly. Everything from his comedies to his action stuff. And then there were the YouTube videos where people would call businesses like uh, like hotels or whatever, and they just be like, "I'm hello," Arnold. and he's like, "Hi, I'm Arnold," and he's like, "I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want you to answer them," and they're just like, "All right, calm down, buddy," you know, and just like and stuff like that. So it's um, it would be it would be pretty good. Although I, I question the validity of them now because it's like some of them go on for so long. You're like, how how would an operator or anybody think this is a real person? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. I like the, my favorite one is uh, I think it's commando where there's like that broken pipe that comes out of the wall and it's shooting out like all this like steam and he like he like throws the guy into it and it like big punctures his back and it's like shooting out his stomach and there's steam coming out of it. And somebody was I, I can't remember. Somebody asks him like, what happened to him? And he's like, he had to let off a little steam. <laughs> it's like one of the perfect like um, uh, action movie zinger. Was great. Oh, th- yeah, he was the originator. There were there were a couple of them. Like um, like this one is a lesser known favorite. Put that cookie down now. <laughs> Another kindergarten cop. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I would assume so. He doesn't talk about cookies generally very often. No. Well, hey folks. Uh, speaking of cookies, if you want to give us the. Um, Equivalent of a cookie, you can do so a number of we could buy some delicious crumble cookies with the Patreon money, but you can support us by becoming a patron on Patreon or on PayPal for as little as one dollar a month. Uh, help support the show. You can uh, look at all the links down below if you're looking in YouTube. If you're one of our 10 to 20 YouTube v- viewers, you can look below. Um, check that out. But uh, you check our show notes. We got links where you can become a patron on Patreon or on PayPal for as little as one dollar a month. Doing so unlocks the rating spreadsheet for you to check out, which should be interesting, especially after this week. And then it also uh, gets you uh, exclusive access to our patrons only Discord channel, where we have a, a a rollicking good time chatting about all sorts of things, Deep Purple related and other. Uh, so definitely check it out. You can also send us cash on Cash App. 
at dollar sign DPPOD. Um, and all of this stuff goes right back into the show, helps us buy albums and DVDs and um, all sorts of stuff to support the show. So we really appreciate it. Right now, saving up for the new computer, com- computer, computer, um, con- the confounded computer. Um, so hopefully we'll have a new computer soon. Um, got a little bit of money in the kitty there. Maybe that could be our the, the Christmas present to ourselves. Well, to me. It, you, well, yeah, just to me, because no one else that listens to the show will notice any difference. <laughs> well, to you. I mean, I bought this one with my own money here, this new one. So That's true. Yeah, you got yeah, you got a nice one. With um, my own money, folks. My own money, my own money. For um, you. But um yeah, it will yeah, it will have absolutely no effect on the show that anybody listening, but it will make the actual production of the show a lot smoother, which would be good. Um, and but, I mean, we'll be happier, which makes a better show for you people. So exactly. there you go. And I'm I'm interested to see because it takes a long time. These are really long files, so to actually render them after they're all edited and mixed, it could take like mm-hmm. 30, 40 minutes to render one episode just of the computer just churning away, b- building those files, and then usually I have to bring that into another program and convert it to a lower bitrate uh, MP3 if it's over a certain file length. So it's a, there's a bit of time in the rendering process that would be saved, which would be very nice. So uh, speaking of patrons, uh, we would like to thank take the time at the top of the show to do what we always do, which is to thank our executive level patrons coming in at the $25 Uncommon Man tier, Ovis, Nakfi, and Purple Maniac. At the £10 tier, we've got Dr. Jill Brees. At the Turn It Up to $11 tier, Clay Wambacher, Frank Tielgard Mortensen, Alan, Ain't Too Proud to Beg, and Mikkel Steen. At the $10.99 What's Going On Here tier, Mr. Richard Fusey. And at the $10 Someone Came tier, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, Better Call Saul Evans, and Kev Robertson, his wonderful children, Matthew, Gareth, and Sarah. Thank you so much to all of you. <laughs> for your, no, Sorry. we will not stop it. <laughs> Thank you for your generous donations to the Deep Purple podcast. Um, yeah, I've talked to quite a few patrons. Uh, Dr. Jill Brees was at the, well, if she's listening to this, this is going to be way after the fact because we're way ahead here. But she uh, was at the concert, I think, last night, sent some really nice pictures. Um, uh, had a little chat with uh, Ovis Nakvi uh, this morning. So great, great catching up with anybody. Always hearing from Jeff, Jeff Bryce. Uh, so uh, great chatting with all you guys on a regular basis. We really uh, enjoy that. Um, okay. And before we move on, there is something we must do. And John can hear that now. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. <laughs> I hope the noise gate doesn't cut that out. Did you hear it when I, when I did the vibra slot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'm excited. It. I heard it. We fixed it before. Yeah. You're, 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 you're so infatuated with your Arnie soundboard that you're. Sorry, I'm ruining everything. <laughs> hey oh, <laughs> hey oh! We've got an Apple Podcast review. This one awesome. comes to us from Australia. Uh, the name is Rosebud Jack. Five stars. Title is DP Podcast. Uh, Rosebud, Mr. Jack writes a great review of an awesome band. Nate and John banter back and forth and cover every inch of the topic. My only complaint: Highway Star only four stars. Seriously. Jack. So he would not be the first one to call us out on that one. I wonder if him and Rich are in cahoots. <laughs> yeah, gross, Rosebud Jack from Australia. <laughs> Australia, Massachusetts. <laughs> well, the country flag came up as Australia, so I think it, unless Rich Rich has uh, set up a, like a VPN so that he can... <laughs> He can spoof in from another you country. Never know. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about four stars for Highway Star? I'm I'm, I'm starting to feel bad. Oh, I feel like our, our also our reviews have evolved a lot. Like like 
Like I think that's we, been uh, discussed. Yeah, our criteria has changed over the years. So I mean, we, might, no, we it, might have to go back and re re uh, reevaluate yeah. at some point. Maybe that'll be an episode or episodes. But I think I don't know. I, I like I I love Highway Star and like you know even Smoke on the Water for like a you know from a important standpoint. It's just I think it's just one of those things where I just I don't feel like I ever need to hear those songs again. So maybe that's why I went with a four. I, I can't remember. I think it's just from you know you, you've heard it. You've heard them so many times. Um, but yeah, I mean, no denying it, it's a great song and it's great importance. So. Um, then of course we want to thank all of the folks at the deep dive podcast network, all of our, our brothers in, uh, podcasting, uh, everyone from, uh, Sabbath bloody podcast, to the Tom P- Petty project and everyone in between check out deep dive podcast network.com, uh, for more information, new shows join in all the time. I think my list here might even be out of date. So, um, really appreciate it. Uh, all those fine guys and uh, everything that they do. Um, all right, John, here we are. White snake slided in us version you, there were some. If you haven't heard our episode last week, you might want to check that one out first, where we review the UK version, and we've kind of set it up this week where we're going to go walk through the songs again in the order of the US version. We're going to rate them again. We've hidden all the lines on the spreadsheet, and before you say, "Oh, well, you just did that last week," don't worry, our memories are not that good. I don't remember basically anything from last week, especially mine. Except for most of the week, I was like walking around, and in my head, I'm like. Spit it out, spin it out, really, spit it out, spin it out. And I'm like, oh, stop it. Get out of my head. Yeah, it's tough for <laughs> me. Which one's it been for me? I've actually had it in my head all oh. week. Um, I'm like drawing a blank here. Um, Just because uh, it was so ridiculous. Yeah, for me, it's um, uh, standing in the shadow. Standing in the shadow. I've been like, just I've had that in my head, but um, be interesting to hear the U.S. version this week. Well, before we do, I have I have a special treat. Oh, let's 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 see it or hear it or whatever so, it is. Six six about six weeks ago when I went to the uh, that antiques thing um, out in uh, Brimfield, I I picked up a little something. Oh oh oh! A vintage oh. white snake patch. <laughs> the, it was <laughs> it was dark. The, so he's holding up a white snake like back patch, a vintage yep. white snake logo with the snake, which looks awesome. But the way you were slowly raising it up against your black shirt, I yeah. thought it was the album cover for Slide It In. And I saw your oh. finger and I was like, wait, what is this alternate album cover? What's going on? And then I realized, <laughs> oh, and then it was just, that was it. It was just a little back patch. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little, a little uh, vintage white snake. Um, this is, uh, this has got the stuff on the back. So it definitely looks like it's an iron on that you're put on a jean jacket oh, yeah. or something. So um, perfect condition. And it's yeah, the thing the looks little, like it looks like they just made it yesterday. Yeah, so the little snake on it. I was like, I didn't even bother asking, like, oh, is this a reproduction? Because who the hell would reproduce this? <laughs> Seriously, I'd love, I'd love the, uh, the 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 person that comes. Um, excuse me, sir. Do you realize that is a uh, that was printed in 2016? I can tell by the thread count on the on the <laughs> on the H. <laughs> um, don't laugh. There are uh, there are people like oh, that. Yeah. Sure, but anyway, are. yeah, I, I broke it out just for this, uh, just for this episode. That's fantastic. You should have sewed it onto your uh, jean jacket. Well, yeah, my mom, my mom sewed can... all my back patches on. It was great. She went from snowing sewing. <laughs> she went from sewing merit badges on to sewing uh, uh, Metallica and Megadeth back patches. Oh, I never had yeah. a deep purple one. I had my um, I had my, I would have to go look. I um. 
but I didn't have as many patches because my, I, I asked my mom to sew them on. Like at first I tried to iron them on, but then they would mm-hmm. never stay. Yeah. And the back patch, I believe you'd have to sew on. Yeah. Uh, but I had a lot more pins mm-hmm. on my jacket because they, they stayed, um, they stayed better. Um, but my, I don't my know. My mom is like ever... an excellent sewer. So I had like a really oh, yeah, legit and I had, um, Definitely Megadeth, Metallica, and Anthrax. I'm trying to think. There must have been some. There must. I wouldn't have been just those three. There must have been a few others, but nothing too adventurous. Just those kind of the big, big three sort of people. Or was Slayer to... part of the big, big four? I I was never really into Slayer, so I didn't have any Slayer backpack patches. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to pull out my old jacket, but it's. I don't think that I don't think that I had any White Snake um, at the time, anyways. But um, but yeah, anyways, um, yeah, just, I saw, I saw that and it was very, um, I got, um, what's the word? I got pensive. I got, I got, what's that word when you get nostalgic? Oh, just, uh, uh, uh reminiscent. Uh, I don't know. Mm. Uh, but- well, I'm I'm lo- I'm lost for words. Whatever what that I'm word is, to say, but... he, he's so choked <laughs> up about this white snake back patch that he just can't form words. No, I saw I saw it and I was just like, hmm, um, oh man, the words at the sentimental? tip of my tongue. Well, sentimental, yeah, maybe it's it's something like that. But we'll go with that until yeah. we come up with a better one. Yeah. So I saw that and I was just like, oh, they were look at that, a white snake patch, and I wanted to I wanted to buy it just to have, and uh, without knowing this episode would come up six weeks later. Yeah, look at that. So yeah, you knew cool it would come up one day. So I got it like right here on my little ledge of deep purple podcast stuff in front of me. Fantastic. We got lots of great stuff. Um, yeah, I wish everyone could see my view. I got some random stuff around here too, but yeah. So, uh, the U S version of the album, we talked about the UK version last week. Um, uh, just to kind of go through some of the background for this, Uh, From October to November of 1983, they completed the album at Musicland with Martin Birch. As you know, it had been started uh, earlier with Eddie Kramer, and then Martin Birch kind of came in and finished the album up. Uh, At some point during this uh, transition, uh, Colin Hodgkinson quit the band, um, and then they canceled all the UK tour dates. So you still see some like ads for it, which list all the UK tour dates. Those never happened. Um, On December 1st, 1983... Neil Murray was asked to audition for the band, which is hilarious. Like, could you audition? <laughs> I've been playing with you for how long? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to fit in or if he's going to know the songs. <laughs> I don't uh, know if he's white snake material. He's been gone for how long? Like, like, t- like six months or something. And he's like, <laughs> OK, you're going to have to audition. That'd be like if I left and then you were just like, so, um. Yeah, you need to audition for the Deep Purple podcast. It's <laughs> like, like, bitch, I started this with you. Be like if you left for like six episodes and then came back. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, well, I'm doing some auditions. So, and afterwards, I just kind of lower my glasses. Like, oh yeah, well, uh, Mr. Matola, yeah, we'll be we'll be in touch. We'll be, Appreciate it. That yeah, was great. so um, tell me about your prior experience. Um, <laughs> this show, um, I did almost 200 episodes of the sh- of this show. Oh, interesting, <laughs> interesting. Um, so anyway, they they have him audition. He passes the audition. That would be the extra slap if he's like, sorry, it just wasn't what we're looking for. Really? You didn't know this before you asked me to come over? <laughs> um, so sometime in mid-December, uh, John Sykes rehearses with the band. And Ber- uh, Bernie, um, uh, Mickey Moody tells like a story of like how he was on his way out with the band and he was all unhappy. He tells this famous story about how he was... 
I, I don't know exactly what happened, but from his standpoint, he was at a bar. They were playing with Thin Lizzy, and afterwards he was at the bar, and Coverdale came up and kind of like um, gave him a, a reprimanded him almost in front of John Sykes and Mickey Moody. Was just like, "That's it." Like he was really, he's like, "Don't ever turn your back on the audience again," or something like that. So. Um, Moody was like, screw this guy, I'm out of here. Like, tensions were already up, and he's just done. And he just said, like, I, I knew, he's like, Coverdale, I was in my mind thinking Coverdale should get somebody like John Sykes because he's, you know, a great player and a good-looking guy, and that's what he wants. And sure enough, that's what happened. Um, so uh, Sykes is confirmed as the new guitarist uh, from January and late January uh, they do overdubs, so Murray and Sykes go into the studio and they do a bunch of overdubs on the already recorded album. So I was talking a bit with Jorg about this. I guess we'll get into this too, but um, uh, about how basically the uh, a calendar, a calendar, um, it's like impossible, calendar. Um, had basically wanted White Snake to sound more American. So Coverdale says. Um, in this, this is in the Japanese uh, remix, the, a quote from him. He says, what happened was we finished the album in Europe and we were all delighted with the way it came out. However, the American record company said it was sounding European and not sounding American. Even when I said, I am European, they said, however, we'd like it to sound American. So I gave them carte blanche to remix in the U.S. on the condition that I can include John Sykes, who'd recently joined Whitesnake, and Neil Murray, who'd recently rejoined Whitesnake. And they accepted that premise. So I got what I wanted, and they got what they wanted in essence. The difference is that you can hear the voice a lot better, and you have John Sykes and Neil Murray playing on it, whereas in the Amer- European mix, you don't have them. So interesting that that was kind of the arrangement that got made. Um, uh, and it's funny, they kind of considered, like, we need somebody like John Sykes to be more American. John Sykes isn't even American. so <laughs> you know. The, but, but it's funny, when you look at him, he looks American, right? He looks like... yeah. He looks like he could have been in any one of those hair bands. So maybe that was, I think that's probably the thinking from the, the record label. Or more maybe American looking or sounding or yeah, and like his, his image or his playing. His image and his playing probably are a little more, in the you know, less less rooted in that British blues sort mm-hmm. of uh, sort of sound. Well, um, I mean, there's something to it because, I mean, maybe that whole, or not maybe, but definitely that whole thing did help him break over here. Uh, going into the next album. So, yep, it certainly did. Um, so John Caldner was the first A&R records executive at Geffen records, which had just been formed. It was brand new, which was headed up by David Geffen. Uh, Geffen heard that Coverdale was switching management. So he flew Caldner to the UK to try to recruit Coverdale for, uh, for Geffen. Caldner said he worked really hard to sign Geff, uh, to, uh, Coverdale. Um, and eventually th- they sealed the deal. Kalner says, I thought they were a great commercial rock band. The problem is that I told Coverdale, even though I really love the other guys in the band, they weren't as good as him. He was a superstar, and we were entering the age of Bon Jovi, you know, all of the big superstars. And I thought Coverdale's voice and songs were better than anything. Mickey Moody says, they ended up taking a lot of Mel, Galley, and me off it and putting on John Sykes. I was gone by then, so I really can't tell you anything further. Then he goes on to say, it wasn't the same. Let's just put it that way. The band in 1983 was not the White Snake that I knew and loved. So Moody goes on to say that they uh, they never really tried to emulate other bands' sounds, but that he could see uh, that that was the direction that they were headed and, you know, being... Uh, signed with this American label that they were going to try to, he could kind of see the future, which did come to pass, which was they were going to try to get them to look and sound more like all the stuff that was popular at that time, which sure enough Mm -hmm. is what they did. Um, 
Then, um, so Coverdale, I guess he had toyed with um, both Michael Schenker and, funny enough, Adrian Vandenberg uh, about giving them the gig. Um, but uh, Vandenberg at this point was just starting to get some success with his own band, um, who had just had a hit with Burning Heart. So he turned Coverdale down and he did end up with Sykes. Uh, Callender felt that Sykes, from his past history with like Tigers of Panzang, Thing, Lizzie, um, that he'd be the right fit with Coverdale. And he talks a lot about Sykes uh, because of his good looks, um, and that he would would they he would have basically he implied that he would have wanted Mel Galley out even if he hadn't gotten injured because Mel Galley you know didn't have that look you know he had kind of shorter hair and the glasses and was kind of like you know an awesome rocker but didn't look the part of what bands were looking like at that time. Well, I mean, yeah, let's let's be honest. I mean the. The early White Snake was not what you would call a, a group of handsome men. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they were not pretty boys by any means. No, they were perfect for radio. <laughs> I mean, I mean, John Lord looked pretty badass at that time, but, yeah, you know, not exactly that uh, kind of glammy 80s image. So, right. I mean, uh, more more along the lines of a uh, uh, kind of a John McCoy, you know, real badass looking. Yeah, yeah. So, which, you know, a few years earlier wouldn't have mattered as much, but with, when MTV and the video is becoming big in, in the past, just the past couple of years, was MTV like 81 or something when they launched? So it's brand yeah. new at this point. And, and I remember a lot of those, a lot of those bands had problems crossing over because they're just like, all right, like the handlebar mustaches and all that shit just aren't yeah. going to fly because people are looking at him being like, ugh. Well, John Lord could have brought back that, you know, that shirt that he has like unbuttoned down to like the navel with the, that like glam shot he has. It looks like it's from um, Tiger Beat. <laughs> I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah, that would be like the perfect, like, you just bust that out in White Snake. I don't oh, think John I don't Lord think that was cover. John Lord, the cover of Tiger Beat, like Donny Osmond, John Lord. <laughs> a big picture of John Lord in the corner, like, John, oh, yeah, Donny Osmond, yeah. That's what we did. <laughs> Donny Osmond, Le- Leif Garrett. Uh, <laughs> John Lord. <laughs> who else died? Uh, David Cassidy. Yeah, we need to put our uh, Photoshop skills to, to the test and, and make that happen. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So... Uh, Coverdale describes uh, Sykes' audition and that Cozy didn't like him. Uh, but but Cozy really kept the idea alive and really wanted Sykes in the band, even though Cozy was not a fan. I don't know if it was of him personally or him his playing, but I guess Cozy wasn't into it. And obviously the Cozy era of Whitesnake doesn't last very long, nor does the Sykes. Um, so Coverdale, at this point... Um, he had he hadn't really given in yet to the idea of having a guitar hero in the band. He says Kalender was having to talk to him, um, saying that you know there was no one else in his. He's really like pumping up Coverdale. There's no one else in this band is as good. As, I mean, you're in a band with John Lord. Like, come on, but like nobody in this band is, deserves to be in a band with you. Basically, pumping up his ego and saying you know you need like star players like this John Sykes guy. Um, so he and he used kind of the other. He said like you know Jagger, Rick Richards, or Page and Plant, or Daltrey Townsend, um, uh, Perry Tyler, like all these like you know these great like guitar hero slash singer where bands where the guitarist is almost in, like at the same level of the singer as far as like whatever uh, uh, fame and uh, sex appeal and all that. He wanted to kind of build the same sort of thing with a Coverdale Sykes. That was kind of his idea. 
Um, so Coverdale said he was, uh, again, subconsciously against it because seeing the abuse of power that Richie manifested, he specifically invokes Richie there, he was nervous to go down that path again, is like having a guitarist who's um, maybe ego and stubbornness and control and all of that could take over the band. I mean, I guess in this case, it wouldn't have been as much of an issue because he wasn't a founding member or anything. He could kind of have some more control, but he, he was worried that it was just going to turn into another Richie situation. And he didn't want that to happen. Um, so funny story. Coverdale says his mother, uh, and a lot of the stuff, these stories come from a few books. One is, um, Martin Popoff's great white snake, fantastic voyage book. And then we've got uh, a few here from the cozy Powell, uh, dance with the devil book. And then also this great illustrated Simon Robinson, white snake illustrated biography, which is really awesome. It's out of print, but you can find it on like eBay and stuff. It only goes up to what's the latest it goes up to. It was like early nineties, maybe. Yeah. Like I'm on one of the last pages and there's a picture of like Sarzo and Vivian Campbell. So yeah, it does. It doesn't go very, when was it published? 1989. There you go. Um, so it's, it's great for everything we're covering up until a couple more albums. So he tells the story, he says, um, when his mother first saw a picture of John Sykes, she told him, David, are you crazy? You'll never get any of the girls. Uh, so, so up until then, he hadn't really even thought about it. Um, but he said that having Sykes in the band convinced him to get in the best shape of his life. You know, so you start seeing Coverdale looking a little bit more working out and getting some muscles and stuff. Um, so he says he says John having John in the band not only revitalized them musically, but um, you know, kind of physically as well. Uh, revitalized him sexually. <laughs> sexually, it doesn't take much to revitalize Coverdale. All it takes is about um, fifteen minutes. <laughs> He's revitalized, ready for another round. Uh. <laughs> um, so Coverdale said uh, he was never crazy about keyboards and that John Lord's role in the band was minimal in the years leading up to this so he said he was going back to uh, that you know uh, Lord ends up going back to Purple and he after that point he just says I'm going to just use keyboards to round out the sound so this is going to be like the last album where you hear like more powerful keyboards from Whitesnake until recently funny enough they've got you know like two keyboardists in the band now and when they were playing you know a few months ago they had you know Dino on stage with a guitar doing keyboard solo so everything comes full circle but at this Mm -hmm. point yeah keyboards were like kind of a no-no you had if you had them in the band they were secret they were in the back they weren't in any of the photo shoots kind of sucks but it's kind of the way it was um uh, so Caledner thought the UK version was too heavy on keyboards and wouldn't cut it in the US. Caledner and Coverdale had a big fight, and Caledner wanted to bring someone in to mix the album, someone aside from Martin Birch. So he suggested Keith Olsen. So he goes on to describe the problems with Martin Birch's mixes and how un-American they sounded. Um, it's funny, they just use it like it's like an insult. Oh, it's so un-American. It's, it's a bunch of British guys and another British guy mixing them, and it doesn't sound American. And they're doing it not in America. <laughs> British people in not America recording and writing songs and everything. It doesn't sound American. Um, So Olsen had first worked with Caldner on uh, with Foreigner. Uh, So he had that kind of background. And then Neil Murray finally says that Sykes was very much into Ozzy and Randy Rhodes, that he was Mm. really into that sound. So um, he hears some of that in some of his solos, maybe. So, so yeah, so the lineup, Neil Murray returns cozy on drums again. Mickey on guitars, some. Mel on guitars, some. Some of them got 
wiped. John Lord on keyboards. Bill Cuomo came in to do some additional keyboards. He had worked with Steve Perry, Rick Springfield, um, <clears throat> and uh, he he was kind of in that circle, so that's why Calder uh, knew him. And then, of course, John Sykes. Um, and there's that story too that he was he was offered the position to replace Randy Rhodes, but it never like materialized. Like they were like, "Oh yeah, yeah you, you got the job" or whatever. And then they ghosted him. <laughs> he never heard back. Um, Who was this? Sykes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I remember hearing that. So he was the uh, <laughs> they ghosted him. <laughs> yeah, he was the he was the um he was the replacement for um Randy Rhodes for I don't know a week, but never actually. <laughs> I don't know if you even met them. Um, so that's kind of a, a shitty thing. Um, so I guess he uh, I guess he said when they did, he, Ozzy eventually did get back to him, but by that time he'd accepted the job in Thin Lizzy and was probably thinking Ozzy's a little too much of a, uh, maybe not a secure enough uh, a position to accept at this point. Um, then, of course, we've got, um, uh, on the U.S. version, Martin Birch is just Martin Birch. He's, no, he's not big ears, so I don't know why that, title was stripped from him because, because it's very un-american <laughs> big ears yeah. it's very it's very british in america we have very small ears you see we can't we, we can't we can't have this name um so yeah uh, so this is completely remixed by by keith olsen uh has different guitar solos to the european edition uh, with some john sykes as a third guitar layer so I've heard both things. I've heard that they took away some of the Mel and Mickey stuff, but also I've heard that they layer John Sykes on top of both of them. So there's three mm. guitars. Um, I've so heard that, yeah. So it might be a little of both. Maybe it depends on the song. I don't know. Um, and then all the original bass parts were completely redone by Neil Murray. Um, and with some I new, don't know why. New keyboards. And new keyboards by Bill Cuomo. Like, why would you touch anything John Lord did? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's... Um... I think to um I wish we had the I wish I had a sound bite now for um uh Pot of Thunder when they have Juan Crochet. Are you insane? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're oh. replacing John Lord with Bill Cuomo? Are you insane? <laughs> that is yeah, that is the perfect that would be the perfect sound bite. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, who who would you? I mean, nobody can replace John Lord. It just doesn't make any sense. But I guess he probably doesn't sound American enough. And I think this is, you know, when you talk to a lot of uh, British fans, rightly so, they they talk about this era of the band as kind of being like the, um, you know, they don't like it as much because because they sound they started sounding American. So they you know they they were giving up one fan base for another, but obviously at the end of the day worked out very well financially for White Snake. Um, you know they may have given up half of their fans, but they probably gained back four times as many. Um, so what do you? So did do? you say that like they they he replaced all of John Lord or some? No, I think it was just additional. Yeah. Oh okay okay so. So, and before we uh, before we get started, um, here's a little. Speaking of American, this is a Geffen Records press release um, of the album. So you get the little Geffen Records logo, and you open it up. I love these press release releases. It is highly unlikely that any album released this year will match the hard rock credentials of White Snake's debut album of Geff on Geffen Records. Slide it in highlights 10 original cuts from a band that boasts some of the most talented and widely experienced musicians in modern rock and roll. Consider founder David Coverdale and John Lord come to the band by way of Deep Purple, a a pivotal 70s group. See, it's Americans, so they have to explain who Deep Purple is. A pivotal mm. 70s group that helped forge the heavy, hard-driving 
sound of the era. Drummer Cozy Powell hails from another seminal British outfit, Rainbow, while guitarist John Sykes lent his distinctive licks to Thin Lizzy. Mel Galley was recruited to Whitesnake from the popular English band Trapeze, making the ensemble's collective history both influential and impressive. While Whitesnake may be American audience's first real introduction to Whitesnake, the band has been a staple on the European music scene for some time. A series of top-selling albums have brought the band a large and fervent following on the continent, and their incendiary live shows and consistent sellouts in concert halls and festivals. On the occasion of the American release of Slide It In, already a substantial hit in the UK with two hit singles, Guilty of Love and Give Me More Time, Whitesnake is barnstorming across Western Europe on an extensive tour that promises to take them to the States later this year. Slide It In, a solid rock manifesto featuring a high-energy tune stack of Coverdale Originals, continues Whitesnake's tradition of recruiting the best names in the business. Produced by Martin Birch, renowned for his work with Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, and Deep Purple, the album was mixed by Keith Olsen, a name more than familiar to fans of such bands as Foreigner, Fleetwood Mac, and Sammy Hagar. The album contains both Whitesnake's current British toppers, along with such standout cuts as Gambler, Hungry for Love, and the blistering title track. I bust my bollocks for what I do, Coverdale remarks. I get well paid for it, but it's 24 hours a day, 52 weeks a year, non-stop. Slide it in, captures whole, the incredible energy of, uh, of one of real rock and roll's leading practitioners okay <clears throat> so <laughs> i have some thoughts here okay what are your thoughts <laughs> if if this was the press release trying to downplay the britishness of all this they mentioned like british and europe and uh <laughs> like way too many times yeah um in that they they basically played up the fact that they like hey everybody's british and they're trying to americanize them and <laughs> and to that i say fuck you <laughs> I hope these are coming across. <laughs> Me too. Uh, but yeah, that's just, that's really weird because you, you think like, oh, it doesn't sound American enough. Hey, in the press release, uh, really just play up how everything isn't from America. Thanks. Mention Europe um, at least 16 times in the press release. And then at the very end, talk about Keith Olsen. <laughs> talk about some American, <laughs> sprinkle some American shit in there and then we'll see what happens. Well, I think they, I mean, um, it's, it's really well written though. I mean, it actually, no, it's the way marketing. you were reading it, it's just like, I'm like, wow, I'd, I'd listen to this. Wow. <laughs> wow. You convinced me. <laughs> That's all, it's all this marketing fluff. It's, you know, it, it yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, I think maybe they just try to. At the same time, while trying to become more American, they're also like, oh, this is like a huge band in Europe. Say, so, oh, wow, really? I should check them out then if they're, they've been big over there for a while. Because it's funny, even though you want them to Americanize, you've also got this like, this fantastical myth mythological happening which happened all the time mm -hmm. with the, the Beatles and Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and all these bands that you know, are huge in England and the British invasion and all this sort of stuff. So they're probably playing up to that too is like you'll like these 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 plucky brits will do great over here in the united states i just love it if they would do like a um they do like an american edit like just like I bust my bollocks for what I do. I mean, what, yeah. what more British sentence could you have? They just they like the Americans balls are like, in brackets because like Americans <laughs> reading this is like, what are bollocks? I don't understand. It's just like I bust my balls <laughs> for what I do. <laughs> 
Yeah, it'd be great if they just threw in like a, just a bunch of random. Th- this is better than beans on toast for breakfast. You know, just all this, just throwing all this. I put on my trainers and I jump in the lorry and I just, I go right down the, you know, I right down the street and, and you know, take a lift up to the studio and get to work. You know, people in America wouldn't know what the hell they were talking about. I'm just like White Snake, the hottest new band in America, is coming to your town. It's like what? I just learned one today, and this will not be a. This was actually just today. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up reading like a lot of like Terry Pratchett and Douglas Adams, all these British writers. So like, I, you know, I'm something of an Anglophile, you know, but I, for some reason I've always missed this one. And I just learned today that, do you know what, uh, in England they call a, uh, a dumpster? I'm not sure I do. They call it a skip. I did not know that. I did not know that either. And I was just like, well, probably dumpsters didn't come up very often in like fantasy novels that I read. <laughs> so maybe that's why um but yeah it's funny it's one of the, one of those things maybe i read or i heard and just like my brain just you know tuned it out and then all of a sudden you hear yeah. it and i'll see it like 12 more times this week so it'll so be like skip. wow this is a real skip fire over here <laughs> i wonder if they uh they do that. We'll have to hear from our, you know, whenever this comes out in like two months. In two months, I'm going to be flooded with emails and messages <laughs> about Skip, and I'll be like, what are they talking about? I'm not, I don't remember talking about They'd that. they be like, yeah, Nate, I throw my rubbish in the Skip. <laughs> exactly. Like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> I throw my rubbish in the Skip. It's brilliant. All right. So here's the... Uh, <laughs> brilliant. Here, here's the pub... Uh, <laughs> um, what, all right. What's going on with John Lord now? We like... He, <laughs> He looks a little different there. Yeah, it's a, he's his. So yeah, this is the publicity like, photo. It's very high contrast. So it, it looks almost like they're doing yeah. like, you, you know what I mean, like one of those like glamour shots where you can like, does that woman have a nose or or not? I can't tell. They turn up the <laughs> contrast really high. Yeah, but John Lord's like hair is like a little like almost feathered. And he's, yeah, he's, he looks like he looks like <laughs> he looks like hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> <laughs> You just give him a two by four. <laughs> oh my He's god! He's wearing like a velour hoodie, and um, <laughs> and like a cross, like. But his beard is also very, like, very um, trimmed. Like it's usually yeah. a little bigger than that. So, all right. Like yeah, cozy and Mel- Mel's wearing like the the eighties, the late. The, this is the late end of the skinny tie. Coverdale's wearing one too. Um, and then, yeah, Sykes is posing with that, like, he's wearing that, like, it looks almost like the, um, because it's in black and white, it looks like the Mariah Carey Santa outfit, (laughs) but it's like, it's clearly like a leather jacket with like the white fleecy sort of lining. Oh, and then who's that behind, uh, Coverdale? Is that, um... It's Neil um, Neil Murray and Neil Murray. He looks like, looks like my, my babysitter when I was a kid. Really? (laughs) Well, yeah. You ever see, like, you have that... You ever have a babysitter, like the 14 year old girl with like the, the hair and the oh, kind of bullet yeah, yeah. thing? Yeah, all my babysitters <laughs> had that hair too. <laughs> so he looks like my female babysitter when I was like 10. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got that dude over on the left. Who's that? That's Mel Galley. Mel Get. Wow. All right. Yeah, he looks like um, he looks like he belongs in like, I don't know, uh, what, what's that? Whatever the skinny tie band is. He oh, looks like, like he belongs in a new wave band. And like, that's why uh, he seems to be separated from everybody else. Was it like Frank, Frankie? Uh, what's that? Like Frankie goes. To Frankie Hollywood. goes to Hollywood. Yeah. Mel Galley goes to Hollywood. <laughs> so pretty yeah, great. It's like John Sykes is really the only one that like kind of 
looks really glammed out and everybody else is just kind of like, you Coverdale hadn't discovered the peroxide just yet. No, well, yeah, him and Coverdale look like they fit in. Everybody else is just kind of like, all right, who are who are the rest of these derelicts back here? <laughs> derelicts. Well, I mean, I think it's kind of like they had a pretty, you know, they changed you know a couple key, a couple keyboardists, a couple drummers, but for the most part, White Snake was fairly stable up until this point, and this just mm-hmm. begins like a six year run of who's who coming in the band for. Yeah. Not even being on an album, and you know, Vivian Campbell. Well, how long was he in the band? Like three weeks. I mean, did he wasn't even on an album, was he? Nope. He nope. was just in he, like, um, part of the tour, and then he was out, and yeah, I mean, people was, were just coming and going like crazy. Yeah, he was on the tour, and then he was out before they even before. Uh, well, I don't know if it was before, but didn't even do he didn't do eighty seven, and he didn't do um, Slip of the Tongue either. So. He, was he after? Was he after? Was he between eighty seven and Slip of the Tongue, or was he after just after Slip no, of the Tongue? Between, like he didn't record the album, but he toured. So he might like, have re- basically the whole band behind Coverdale toured on the eighty seven album, but none of them played on it. You mean on the slide uh, on the the eighty seven oh, 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 album? Whole ba- the band that was on the eighty seven album. Yeah, the whole right, band yes, that yes, recorded yes. the eighty seven album. They recorded it, and then a and whole then different. The Coverdale was the only person that performed on that album that was on the damn tour. Yeah. So it's it's weird. Yeah. 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 It's it's it is. <laughs> it's like I and I mean just like everybody else, I didn't know for the longest time. It was a whole like. Uh, there's a whole Blizzard of Oz situation going on there. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's like, and then you learn like all this, all this music by all these uh, people that I love and everything. It's just like it wasn't basically that. It was like this tiny snapshot in time. That, yeah, you know, it's it's a shame. But anyway, are you ready to? Speaking of uh, this album, are you ready to start getting into some of the tracks? Um. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm, every, every, <laughs> I didn't hear that. What was that? <laughs> Dead air. <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficulties. Ah, oh, shit. I said. No problem. <laughs> uh, all right. So here we go. Um, we have to, of course, before we do that, thank our core level patrons. Coming in at the $7.77 Keep It Warm Rat tier, we have Michael Vader. At the $6.99 New Nice Price tier, we have Fielding Fowler. At the episode $6.66 tier, we have Steve Coldwell, Arthur Smith, and Anton Glaving. At the $6.65 Almost Evil tier, we have Kenny Wymore. At the $5.99 New nice price tier. I'm sorry, original nice price tier. We have Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, Michael Bagford, and Carl Helberg. And at the $5 moneylender tier, we have John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Alman, Alexi the Perfect Stranger Slepikoff, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Will Porter, Zwopper the Electric Alchemist, Percival Frequency, and Scott Zerns. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. We could not and would not do it without you. All right, so let's let's hit it. We got a different uh, opener that opens with the titular "Slide It In," which was the uh, second track on the UK version. So here we go, right into it with "Slide It In." More, more volume, even more than that. Okay, you good. There we go. All right. You talk too much. Never say what's on your mind. 
pretty simple bass so far, just kind of boom, following along. Mm. So a little more chugging here, maybe. Yeah. Oh, that was different. Was that different from the original? So, so far, I'm hearing like just a little more treble heavy and a little more reverb on the drums. Not as dry. Yeah. See, the one, th- the one thing I don't like is that the bass doesn't play in the during the verse here, where it doesn't, like, follow the guitar when it, like... Yeah, it's just- That's the one thing that I kind of miss, but the song sounds like it flows a little better. Maybe the, the way the guitar is played, the way it's mixed. It's a little more polished sounding, maybe. Yeah, plus he does this little run here. That's nice. Here we go. This must be Sykes, right? Yeah. You know, I really hear the Randy sort of influence there. And some, yeah. of the, some of the patterns and the melodies he was throwing in there. It's very good solo. Really melodic. I mean, yeah, that was a good solo. I mean, it was different than the original, than the UK, but it still worked really well. Oh, there's that. He just did that little. Yeah, never gonna stop. Now, just one. Just one. Keeping it understated. It's gotta save something for later in the album. (laughs) All right. So that was Slide It In, the U.S. version. John, what do you think of that one? I'll, I'll give it a four. Um, I, really, um, I really like it. Um, I guess it's going to be hard not to make comparisons, but I'm doing them from memory because, remember, did not listen to anything before since last week. Yep. So, um, yeah, one thing that, that's good about this is, um, I, I mean, I think it's a good opener. Um, I, I, I really liked... Um, uh, Gambler is an opener. I thought that was really good, but uh, starting off with this one, the U.S. version, I think is still strong. Um, I think that I, maybe it's between the mix and the guitar and the bass parts. It is uh, it is more polished. It seems to flow a little bit more. Like it loses some of that that bluesy edge, but um, it also flows really well. And and um, 
and uh, some of Sykes' guitar parts, like the like that run that we talked about when he said "Never Gonna Stop." Yeah, that's one that I always miss in the UK version. Mm-hmm. I listened for it because this was the version that I had heard first, so I knew him this one for many years. Um, before that. Um, but I also think that the, uh, guitar solo was really good. I think both of them work. Um, this one was a little different, but I don't think that it's, um, like it doesn't sound out of place. No, no. Um, and, um, like I said, the one thing that I really do miss though, is the bass playing in the verse mirroring the guitar when it goes, which I really love about the UK version. So both of them have strengths. Which is I, I funny because we're normally like huge Neil Murray guys, but mm. uh, but again, well, I mean, that I like what he <clears throat> that might have like been what a, he did here too. I think his fills and everything were great in this, but yeah, I kind of missed it during the verse too. But it could have been maybe not necessarily his idea. They're just saying telling him what to play, like don't play here, yeah, just like, play on the end of maybe each less is verse. more. Yeah, I don't know, but either way, I would say both have strengths. No, no weaknesses that I could really think of i i guess that would be the one thing that i miss but i wouldn't say it's a weakness in the song but yeah great great opener um i will give this one a 3.5 that's pretty pretty good opener um i think just a little like i said i just <clears throat> i feel like right off the bat like it's just missing a little some like bottom end and it, it sounds more polished but i don't necessarily think that's does it's that sounds better than it actually is like i don't think it's um, polish in this case is is necessarily what it needed, um, and you know I uh, earlier today I just kind of dragged all of these versions of these songs into my uh, my digital audio workstation here and kind of lined them up perfectly just to see. And one of the things that I didn't really listen to them much, but one of the things I noticed was um, there's like a split second of silence before all the U S versions, whereas the UK ones start like directly like is the split second. The song starts the U S ones are all delayed slightly. So I had to actually, I could line them directly up so they could play simultaneously, but I had to drag them all back a little bit. Um, Hmm. And then you'll notice some of the, the fade outs on this, on this, the the fade outs start earlier and go longer. So you probably have a fade out that's twice as long on every song that has a fade out. Um, uh, because it's just a very long, slow fade out where it's more of a slope. Get my microphone. It's more more of a sloping fade out with the UK version. Yeah, I'm Italian. I talk with my hands. Yeah, and he got all he got all he got all, he got all out of sorts. It happens. <laughs> I got all out of sorts. I didn't even know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> ah, nice gabagool. All right. So the next track is uh, track two is slow and easy. This was track three on the. UK version. So here we go. It's interesting. This is the uh, Mickey Moody vehicle on the UK version. Let's see what they do with it here. Hmm. I think it's the only Mickey co-write, if I remember correctly. Yes. Can I get that Nova space documentary uh, sound to the synth there. That's going to be the original guitar. Yeah. But I think it sounds like they put cranked up the reverb on the guitar. I 
Sounds like Coverdale re-record any vocals. I think so. Because I feel like this is different. I feel like it's, he's singing it a little different here. Moody sounds like WG Snuffy Walden. He's got that vibe going to him. This one, the bass has more of a presence. Yeah. guitar on the right channel there was definitely Sykes. Pick scrape. That was definitely Sykes. <laughs> yeah, they really cut out or cut down the keyboards in that part. Yep. Those claps are like super reverberated now. You can just every so often you just care Sykes in the right channel there. Pin, doing a pinch harmonic or just getting a little feedback or something. Like a little whammy bar. <laughs> but they don't overdo it, though. Like, it's not mixed way up. No, it's super subtle. Oh, that was new to the U.S. version, I think, right? Well, I don't think there was anything there, but... The Coverdale scream there? No, I mean uh, Sykes. But that thing you just said that wow Americans are so sensitive they have to change everything to for American sensibilities hmm that sounds too British I can't listen to it it doesn't have enough reverb mm. <laughs> So this is still moody here. Yeah. Is this Mel Galley, I think? Did they leave the Mel Galley? Yeah, but I feel like they... I feel like they took some of the oomph out of it. Yeah, the, I'm hearing more ride cymbal than lead. Almost, this sounds like they came in late or they forgot to come in. <laughs> like there's an extra bar in there somewhere.
I'd say the changes to this song so far have been pretty subtle. Keyboard's kind of lingering there. I think that was the same as the UK version. They kind of like, it's almost like they've yeah. been playing the whole time the song was going, but you couldn't hear them because it was too loud. So whenever the band shuts up, you hear there's like, oh, they're still noodling on that, <laughs> that, that, no, that Nova documentary <laughs> that they're recording. <laughs> All right. What do you think of Slow and Easy? Um, I'll give it a four. Um, I, I think this is, um, um, I don't know. I don't know what I rated the other one, but, um, this is probably like, this is my preferred version of this. Um, I just think that it lends itself better to the, to the playing on this, um, in terms of, um, of Sykes playing on it. I think all of the uh, kind of all the the stuff that he does, even though it's not really pronounced, but when he's like uh, comes in and does the pick slide, or when he bends the note really high and uh, and and um, and gives it the whammy like in, in between the um, the verses and everything, that really lends itself to this song. And then the mix too sounds more upfront and powerful when they're doing the when they're doing the bass drum and the claps, especially yeah. when all the music cuts out. It just it sounds like it has a little bit more behind it, um, which. This being the the prequel to "Still of the Night" type of song, yeah, um, yeah. it 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 works a lot better, I think, um, of the of the two versions. And there's still I could still hear the keyboards in it, but it sounds like they mixed them down and they kind of pronounce the guitars were more pronounced, um, which you know I think a song like this really needs and benefits from it. So. All right. Um, I'm going to give this one another 3.5. I, I, to me, I don't find it as uh, <laughs> the look of disapproval I'm getting. Um, I don't, to me, it doesn't, so far from what I'm hearing in this album, it just, it sounds more distant, a, a little thinner, a little more trebly. And for me, it's not working quite as well. Um, still, this, again, the songs aren't wildly different, but to me, it's really the only, and Sykes is playing as good. Um, Mari's playing as good. It just, uh, it's, for some reason, it's not hitting quite the same way. But it yeah, might definitely like, not as not as bluesy, um, not as not as raw. I guess you could say. The one thing I didn't like about it was how they mixed the uh, the original guitar solos in there. It, it almost sounded like they didn't really. You may as well just have recorded new ones. Yeah, and I couldn't tell if like Sykes was playing at the very end for like a couple bars, or if that was still. Um, Mel Galley. I'm just not familiar enough with the album for that, but um, mm. uh, yeah, at any rate, yeah, it's nothing major in that song. So so let's go on to the next track, which is, of course, this was track four on the UK version. It's track three here, Love Ain't No Stranger. Great. This, this, I think I might have mentioned this last week. This sounds like the, the warm-up for 1987. I asked my friends, but nobody knows 
Sounding very American so far. This wasn't bigger in the US. Like, this seems like it could have been big. Maybe it, this might have been just like a few years too early. Yeah. That no, no, no was more pronounced in this version than it was in the UK one. That's one thing that I always remembered. Did, did he re-record? I think he re-recorded the vocals for this. It sounds Maybe. different. Apparently this made it to number 33 in the U.S., so it did pretty well. Yeah, this is the one that has the uh, the cover for the single. It just has Coverdale, Sykes, Powell, and Murray. Here we go. This is Galley still. Really? It sounds to me like it would be Sykes. I feel like the drums in this song don't have as much punch either. Is it just me? I haven't been playing, paying attention to the drums, to be honest. I'll have to listen. I mean, I think that was a psych solo, and it's it's um very understated from what you'd expect from a quote guitar hero back back those days. I feel like it was Mel Galley's. You know, if we were smart, we probably would have like a sheet in front of us telling us who did what. Well, it's hard. It's hard to say. Like, I've actually looked. It's hard to find distinctively who solo is what. I think if I was more again, if I was more familiar with the album, I would notice the differences a little more clearly. But do a bonus episode with side by sides of all these little moments of the songs. Just compare the difference. Maybe someday. Yeah, maybe in all my copious amounts of free time this week, I can do it. This was definitely an alternate vocal performance. Could have been. I'm saying it is. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm saying it might be. All right. What do you think of Love Ain't No Stranger? Hmm. You know, I, I can't remember what I gave the first version, but I'm going to give this one a three. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like it didn't have as much behind it as the, as the UK one. Like there's, there's something in here that's missing for me. I really feel like it's a different vocal performance from Coverdale and I don't know if I like it as much. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah, it sounds like a little, you know, when you do that first take and it's like, yeah, that was it. It almost sounds like I, like he went back and it wasn't the it wasn't the better take. It was just the, the U.S. take, whichever one they went with. It just it, it lacks something. He sounds very so. American in this. He sounds like he would be calling that thing out back a dumpster. So we should probably uh, <laughs> go with this take. Uh, it wasn't bad. I mean, I still still love the song, but. Um, it just, it sounds like there's, there's like, that's something that's missing there. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't throw the song in the skip, but it's, it's pretty good. Um, I'll give it, um, I'll give it another 3.5. Um, so far, you know, just, it's all good. I mean, the songwriting's just as good, but to me so far, again, not really remembering last week too vividly. Um, I see, I, I don't know. I, I had a little bit more. Excite! I felt a little more excitement last week, mm-hmm. and this week it's more kind of just like, eh, that's a. I, the the changes are so small, but yet noticeable enough that it's it's to me it's kind of like why would you bother even making this change, and the answer is of course because you've got an American record label that wants you to sound more American. Right, right. I mean, um, I I don't know. I almost like I'm trying to be as fair as I can. Um, but I mean, it's it's kind of hard to not compare this to last week's. Like if we listened to this one last week, how would we be judging the UK version this week? So yeah. I mean, I've always yeah. preferred. I mean, again, I, I haven't listened to the US version in a while, but I've always thought that I preferred the UK version. And who knows? I might be surprised by the end of this, and the, the overall score for the UK version or US version might be higher. But so far, it's not seeming that way. But we'll see. All right. Next track up is, of course, All or Nothing. This is track four. It was track eight. So it was on the second side on the UK version. Those like drum hits sound weak. You know, like they're not in your face. Which is funny because I find like on the 87, like the 87 version of uh, Here I Go Again, like I find that da, 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 like that part's really much more in your face than the UK version. So this one sounds mean. Yep. That look really snarly. This one's really rocking. They take away the piano here? Yep. Or it's really mixed down. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I can't tell if my brain is just filling it in, like, because it's expecting yeah. it, or <laughs> or if it's just no, not I there. No, I hear Lord in the background. 
No, I heard that like <laughs> that was really a little pinch harmonic. <laughs> He did a cool little run there, too. <laughs> yeah, maybe the piano is there, but it's <laughs> I see so, your face trying to listen to the piano. I'm, like, I'm squinting. I'm like, I've got my eyes closed. I'm trying here, but it's so quiet if it's there. Solo is just lost here. You hear the you hear snare drum just completely blocking it out. I feel like they filled in with some electronic drums or some overdubs or something. I think he. I think it's just a reverb. I mean, to me, all you heard was the drums on that. Yeah. Like, I get that they wanted the keyboards to take more of a backstage. Oh, that's... But I was saying, I get that they want the keyboards to come more to the back and be not as much of a focus. But during a solo, you've got to still... If you're going to leave the solo in there, you've got to have it take center stage. I mean, either that or just wipe it out and throw a guitar solo in there. Don't do that to it. Right. Yeah, kind of shit or get off the pot sort of situation. Shit or get off the skip. <laughs> shit or get off the loo. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Sorry. The skip. Who shits in a dumpster? Well, I mean, besides a bum. <laughs> a hobos, drifters, all these kinds of guys shit in dumpsters. <laughs> You're yeah, lucky I, if I they go in a dumpster, have, uh, actually. Probably should have went there instead. <laughs> if they go in a dumpster, count that as a lucky day, because usually it's somewhere else. <laughs> like, like the entrance to a grocery store. Um. When I was working in New York, uh, <laughs> we uh, we were open to the public uh, where I worked, and uh, somebody, and there was like this... Uh, it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be accessible to customers, but there was this like there were bathrooms there and it was New York City, very, very busy area. There were really not a lot of public restrooms. So we had like very we had a bathroom, I think, with like two stalls and a urinal. And then I don't know what was in the woman's room. Um, but but for all people in New York that we needed to use the bathroom, they would come in. So it was always a line. It was always difficult. And this one day I, I, I went off in one of the back hallways beyond the restroom and there was just a giant mound of crap on the floor just sitting there because somebody had just been like well i gotta you gotta I'm, the line's too long i'm going back when, here when you gotta go you gotta go but they would have events in the park like across the street and like everyone would just come in and be like oh we'll just go there to use the bathroom and you know you work there and you're like hey man i gotta go to the bathroom too um this it, it was rough anyway well, Anyway, um, yeah, All this has been shit talk with Nate and John. <laughs> shit talk. <laughs> we are we are shit talkers. Oy. All right. Um, hmm. He's, I will ladies and this. gentlemen, he is deep in thought. He is massaging his chin as if it was a genie's lamp. <laughs> 
All right. Um, I really, I really like this one, but I'm going to give it a 3.5. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I like this one more overall than the UK version. It, it, it had more, more punch behind it. I think because of the, the, uh, the bass and the guitar, the way it was mixed, it sounded like it sounded mean or it sounded heavier, Sure, but had to deduct a half a point for what they did to John Lord's solo there. They friggin' butchered it. I mean, and I really feel like I heard a drum fill or something that was either punched in or was an electronic drum right before the solo. Right, yeah. I don't know if you caught it, but it sounded really, it sounded weird. It sounded well, artificial. According to what I've read, it doesn't sound like they did anything with the drums, but you never know. It's possible. So, well, maybe it was the way that they mixed it, but it sounded, something sounded off about it. If they didn't do anything to the, if like re-recording any drums or putting in anything new, it definitely was the mix because we heard those we definitely heard the drums like way up front during well maybe Lord's it's solo. a fill you missed the first time because your focus was on john lord's solo but they brought it down so low that now your focus is on i couldn't get all i could like visualize in my head was just a big snare drum during that whole solo yeah. and it was it was really it was a bummer it yeah. was distracting um, but I will match your 3.5 on this one. I'm kind of a broken record so far. Um, but yeah, I like the, uh, I like the track, but, but to me that ding, 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 those like quarter note, uh, chords that he's plucking out yeah. on the piano is such a crucial part of the song. And uh, honestly, I, I don't think if you didn't listen to the UK version, I don't think you'd even pick it out. But, but my brain was kind of filling in where it was supposed to be. I think it was still there, but super, super low. Uh, and then, yeah, the solo yeah. in general, like like you said, it's all or nothing, okay? All or nothing. Either you go all in on a John Lord solo or don't have anything or put something else there, but don't have John Lord solo. It's kind of this like, I don't know what you would call it, this kind of... Uh, arrogant like we're uh, keyboards are stupid guitars are awesome so we're just gonna mix it low in the mix like who are you serving by 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 putting a solo that low in the mix just it just doesn't sound good although i have to say that um um though i love me some john lord i think the 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 uh the thing that i like about this version was not hearing those those piano really that piano yeah in the um in the uh, chorus, um, I think that it it just it kind of made it more straight ahead and hard hitting. Oh. Um, I, I mean, I think in this in this version, it would have I think it would have um, weakened it, for lack of a better word. That was like a highlight of the song for me. But I mean, I like the fact that it was maybe mixed down, or we were <laughs> we were hearing it when it wasn't there. Yeah. Who even knows? Yeah, but right. I I liked I liked hearing this version without it because I think it would have. Um, yeah, just, it wouldn't have sounded right in this version. I think it would have, um, it would have taken away from what this version of the song was trying to do, which was be, be more American. (laughs) Oh, American. Ah, Buffy. Lovey. Let's go out to the, let's go out to the marina. Have some martinis. Okay. We're not saying this is yacht rock here. No, that's just like, well, it's rich American kind of nonsense. My favorite thing is in like a, in a British show where they do like they have an American, but but they just they had just a British guy do like a really bad American accent. It's so great because they just pronounce their R's really like. I remember there was this episode of uh, you ever see Jeeves and Worcester? No. 
there's like uh, there's this one episode where like their American cousin or something, and he's like, oh, I think he's hanging out with those gingers over there, you know. <laughs> and it's, and for for one thing, no one in America uses the term ginger to describe a redhead. That's like an exclusively British thing. So that's the first tell. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is just ah, oh, a lot of lot of R's thrown in there. Not that <laughs> not that my British accent would be any better, mind you, but it's just it's just funny. But then you've got like people like. Um, Hugh Laurie and House and stuff, which like I, I bet seventy five percent of America doesn't even realize he's British. You know, some some actors are just do phenomenal accents, but mm-hmm. usually in lower budget stuff, not so much. Um, okay, so the final track of side one on the U.S. version is the last track. I'm sorry, is the first track on the U.K. version, and that is the song "Gambler." I think we talked about this last week, how it is kind of an interesting choice to start off an album because it's very slow build up. I don't know how I feel about this as the ending of side one. Maybe the beginning of side two. Mm. It's funny. Yeah, this would be a great side opener. Like the uh, the guitar's got a little more flange on it. A little heavier. Yep. Glad they kept Lord's keyboard part in there, although it's a little mixed back. Yeah, it sounds like it's got a different tone to it. He doesn't have the vocals doubling him there. They took yeah. that out. A little Sykes guitar there. Yeah, I can't tell if it's just because I like the UK no, the version vocals better, are but, double, I, but it's a little missing the the additional vocals because I thought we commented last week about how great those were. Yeah. And Galley and, and Coverdale together. Honestly, I wish we had more of that in the White Snake catalog because it's they're such mm. a great duo. And honestly, I kind of wish those Sykes parts were mixed up too. Like they're so yeah. far in the background. Like if you want to be American, go. don't be subtle. Americans aren't subtle. No, Americans are over the top. It's all about flash. like a Colin Towns I think we talked about this last week a Colin Towns-ish sort of solo from Lord that's gotta be Sykes Coverdale's vocals sound like they're they're drier here. 
there's, there's something more there's yep. something not as gritty about them in this mix he's double tracked here yeah it's a little more subtle but he wasn't at the beginning of the song right or did I am I imagining that no he, he was he was okay but was it double tracked with Galley on the UK? I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Still a very yeah. I mean, I agree with you 100. It it seems like a better opener for a side than a closer. But um. <laughs> Yes, kind of curious, I say. Most curious. So what do you rank this one? Boy, this is getting tough. Yeah, right? Yeah, because there's um, there's some good stuff about it. Um, um, I'll I'll give it a, no, not a 305. (laughs) I'll give it a... It's going to throw off our rating spreadsheet. (laughs) I'll give it a 3.5. Um. Yeah, there were, yeah, there were things that I like about this version. I like that the the background vocals, the 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 call the call and response vocal or whatever it is that he does that that comes in and later on in the the second verse, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is mixed up a little bit more. I always liked that in this version. Um, but the the lead vocals and his double doubled vocals they sound they sound different. Um, like uh, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if they they have as much as much power behind them. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I do like the I do like the guitar has more um, behind it as well, and I like how they pretty much maintain the integrity of of John Lord's keyboards at least at the beginning. I mean, yeah. you can definitely tell they're mixed down a little bit, like during the, um, during like the the verse and everything. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I I always thought this was a great song, but I, I really I really loved it as the album opener. Yeah. Um, I I think the placement in this in this version and this mix is very, um, unfortunate. All right. I don't know if I really love it as a side closer I agree but I will give it a four still because I really do love the song uh I just I don't remember what I gave it last time maybe it was a four as well but but if I had to say off the top of my head without listening or looking at my ratings I would say I prefer the UK version for a number mm. of reasons uh but yeah it's still a solid song really cool but yeah the, the placement on the album this is the first one to me that jumps in as like slide it in opening it with the title track is a great thing nothing else jumped at me as being a weird even though every track on the album is in a completely different spot there's not a single track on this album that's in the same spot as the uk version why they had to move everything around i have no idea that's too it's too european with that we have to open with this or who knows what nonsense they were talking about but this is the first one that jumped out at me as being i don't like the placement on it but that's just me all right, ready to flip this platter over and get on to side two? Um, yeah. <laughs> you were looking for an Arnold re- response. You just didn't have enough time. 
Yeah, that's um, you off guard. Well, here, here, let me. John, are you ready to listen to the next side of this album? <laughs> I didn't catch that. <laughs> oh well, let's uh, wait a minute. Let's let's uh, let's try this again. Okay, hey, J- hey, John, are you ready to flip this album over and listen to the second side? Hello, cutie pie. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like I'm talking to Arnold himself. All right, <laughs> that's as close as you're gonna get. <laughs> Probably. Uh, track six, "Guilty of Love." So far, so good. Yep. You can hear the Sykes guitars, but it's definitely so far not much different. Hi-Hat seems a little heavy in the mix to me. I don't know. I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that, but I kind of like it. It's a little born again-ish to me. I mean, I like the way that that all mixes together and you got the keyboards and the guitars sit really well in this mix. Oh, damn it. Now all I can hear is the hi-hat. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, it's hard to tune it out once it gets brought to your attention. (laughs) (laughs) To me, it's like when it goes to the ride symbol, it's like, oh, thank God, I need a break, you know, like, and I don't remember feeling that way with the UK version. Hmm. You know what? I think wasn't that uh, Mel Galley in the who said in the first degree who sang in the first degree? Um, I missed it. Maybe. No, but I mean in the original, I think Coverdale oh. sings it now, and Galley singing in the original. So I wonder if they cut out all of his background vocals. more chugging from Sykes I think I think most of that chuggy stuff has got to be him there's another one I think of those longer fade outs or maybe not on this one I like that. 
All right. So what do you think? Of I like it a lot. Guilty of high hats. What do you think? <laughs> oh, guilty of high hats. Oh, Nate. What oh, a bunch of bollocks. What a bunch of bollocks. <laughs> so are you going to keep this one or are you going to throw it in the skip? I think I'll keep it. Um, right. I'm having a hard time with some of these because now you made me think of the friggin' hi-hat. Sorry. You know what, though? I, I, I don't I can care. I don't care. It's getting a four. All right. Um, I'm guilty of four. <laughs> I think that um, this um, this version is, um, is very um, heavy. Um, I think it's kind of like um, all or nothing. Um, in the way that uh, just from memory, I think that this this mix and having Sykes on it and everything just it just adds a little bit of that that heaviness that the song lacked on the other on the UK version. Okay. And um, and I mean, there are some there were some songs on that on that album that definitely benefit from the uh, the the bluesier uh, playing the different production. But I think that these kind of songs heavier kind of more straight ahead benefit from the production that I got in this version. So um, hi hat or no, I enjoy this version. All right. Well, um, I will also give it a four despite the hi hat. I think it's a, it's a great song, really good, good song, good length in and out. You got, it's just, uh, yeah, it's solid. It's a good performance. Uh, I would say that, the hi-hat is really the only thing to me that was really distracting about the song because, and like I said, you notice it most when he goes to the ride symbol, it just feels like relief. Like, ah, oh, I finally get to take a break now from listening to that hi-hat. And then when it comes back, you're like, ah, oh. like, so it, it almost gives you, it almost gives you more of a reward for the chorus than the original because it's, it's a reprieve from that monotonous, endless, trebly silverware drawer sounding hi-hat. Well, I mean, I kind of liked I kind of liked it, but I, I was kind of hearing it as a, in the, the, the mix, the tapestry of the music until you pointed it out and then it's all I could hear. But yeah, I, I felt like it made it, it, it just had added to it. It made it heavy. Um, yeah, driving, I guess you could say. All right. Fair enough. Well, you've been guilty of love before, but have you been Hungry for Love? Because that's the next track. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I take it back. This is the only track that has the exact same track position as the first album. Hungry oh. for Love is the second track on side two. Here we go. And there's one other track. I'm an idiot. <laughs> so there's two tracks. <laughs> I was so definitive in saying it, I even convinced myself. Still a decent amount of uh, organ in this. Just, uh, 
Yeah, but I can hear that that the organ and the bass are kind of mixed together to create a little bit of a different sound. Yeah. Great bassline. Yeah, I kind of like the kind of like the swag of this song a little bit better. See right here, the dun, dun, uh, the bass and the organ yeah. kind of work together there. Kind of like that. That largely Sykes playing that riff here. It must be. Yeah. It sounds like it's got a little more like the tone of it and everything. crazy different in this one wasn't there a guitar solo in in the the other one i i doubt it i thought there was well maybe they put in an extra verse or something i'll have to get back on that or one they though. or they cut it out. i don't know i could be wrong but i thought that there was a um i thought there was a guitar solo before the like after the the bridge at least in the original version i don't know could be i don't, I don't know but what do you uh what do you I think of Hungry remember. for Love? Hmm. Well, this one's good. I was gonna, I, I was gonna rate it a little bit lower, but then I thought, no deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. So I, I, I'm gonna give this one. Um. I'm gonna give this one a four. Okay. Um. I really, I really like. Um. I really like it. It was very classic. White Snake yeah. with the with the riff and the the kind of uh, the gang cor- the gang vocal chorus, um, but um, I really I really like the way that the um, presuming Sykes guitar <clears throat> adds to it, and then in the chorus when he sings "Hungry for Love" and the the bass and the keyboard do that part together. Dun, 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 uh, it yeah. just, it's really simple, but it, it blends together really well. It's one of those things that I could definitely notice, like sonically adds to, uh, the song. And, uh, it, yeah, like I said, it has a real, uh, swag to it that maybe the, the, the first one maybe didn't, which is 
kind of weird because you figure that a more classic bluesy white snake song, the original bluesy or white snake would have done better, but I feel like I like this one more. Mm-hmm. That's fair uh, enough. By a little bit. All right. Hungry for love. Um, hmm. I'm having a hard time with this one. I'm going to give it a 3.5. I like it. Sounds good. The, the, the hi-hats again were a little bit like they were they were EQ'd the same way, but it seems like they were a little lower in the mix, which made it a little more tolerable for me. Um, but overall, yeah, like you said, it's Stop like <laughs> it's a uh, if these are if if your noise gates cutting these out, it's these sound clips out. It's going to be very uh, <laughs> it's going to be really this is going to be an avant garde episode. We're both going to be laughing yeah, and reacting. Where we to just pa- yeah, we we keep pausing for two seconds and then laughing. Um, so. Yeah, I, I I find the the hi hat better on this one because um, yeah. it was it EQ'd a little bit better. It was it was I'm sorry, it was EQ'd probably the same, but the volume was a little bit lower, a little easy, more easy to tolerate for me anyway. But like you said, classic White Snake song, so super mm-hmm. like it's almost like the quintessential White Snake song. Yes. Um, okay, next track up is called. Give me more time. And this was the side one closer on the UK version. More of the ACDC riffs. It's got a different sound to it. Throwing in some <laughs> guitar licks there. <laughs> but I still honestly think if that's what they were going for, they should have done it more like a Randy fill and had it like up in the mix. Yeah. If Randy Rhodes had lived, do you think he would have been a white snake at some point? I mean, I think the odds are pretty high because he was a guitar player in the world. Um, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, we have heard all the stories about how he wanted to. Uh, Gillen. (laughs) Huh? I almost said Rainbow, but well, I did say Rainbow. But uh, would he have been White Snake or Gillen? Uh, well, I feel like he was going to leave Ozzy to pursue more classical I guitar think he stuff. Come back so. He would have run out of money and had to pick up some gigs. I think maybe, or he could have been one of those guys that kind of did solo albums in between picking up gigs like this, like kind of like a Tommy Bolin. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Hell yeah. See more of those Randy-isms, I think. I 
feel like the backing vocals here were a little heavier on the UK mix too. Yeah, I feel like we picked up the background vocals. We were really gushing over them more on the UK version. Yeah, it felt a little more like I was almost thinking it was hearkening back to all, all, like almost Mark Three. You know, if they just had a mm -hmm. little bit more galley. The more galley, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's because Coverdale had that that kind of vocal interplay with them, similar to what, what he had to use. Yeah, and I think whenever you've got a situation where you've got um, two vocalists who have who are not only the voices sound different, but they uh, the 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 timbre of them or the EQ of them is in such a different range. Like you've got like McCartney and Lennon, you've got like the super like smooth boopity boopity sort of, and then like a ah, like a really nasal. <laughs> These are my great impressions of McCartney boopity boopity <laughs> Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you've got like a, a smooth as silk kind of melodic voice with like a really more nasally head voice. And then, you know, with Coverdale, you've got that gravelly, gruff, blues, deep voice with like a smooth, higher register voice. Like it, it works really well. Like when you've got two vocalists together that sound that have similar sounding voices. To me, I don't enjoy that interplay quite as much. Well, I don't think that I had uh, or we have heard a White Snake album that it had as defined two vocalists as we have this one, yeah. the UK version, because we were talking about him and, and Mel Galley together, almost like we were talking about him and Hughes. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he wasn't as forward on it. Like they weren't sharing uh, uh, lead verses or anything no, like that. But, but when they his... sang together with Martin Birch at the board, it, mm. it just, man, it just kind of took, it took me back yeah. to that. Great stuff. All right. Give me more time. What do you think? Um, I'll, um, I'll give it a 3.5. Um, I, I think it's, uh, definitely a good track. Um, I, I loved the, 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 uh, Sykes guitar solo. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it worked really well in here and I think it was all mixed really well. Um, when Cozy was doing those drum fills in the background during the, the solo it was all kind of working together, almost like they all were playing it live. Yep. Um, the only thing that I didn't like about either version was is the the opening riff because it is a good riff, but it's it was almost like lacking something. Like you said, it sounds like an ACDC riff, and when you hear like like that those opening chords to like a um, say like an ACDC song or even this, it's like it sounds big yeah. and full and everything. And when you hear this one, it I almost wanted it to be like heavier on both versions because you hear like. You're like, it's like it almost it lacks some kind of balls. Like they could have some kind of bollocks. thickened up the, the yeah, exactly. It, it would lack some bollocks um, or that like they could have thickened up the chords, um, like played like the full uh, chords instead of um, I'm assuming you just played like power chords. And it just it sounded a little little wimpy, a little wimpy, no wimpy guitars, yeah. please. Well, I mean, when they, I mean, when they were doing the verse, yeah. But in that beginning, that intro, like the intro on both versions, um, now that I've had time to let it sit with me, just kind of, just they they lacked a little bit. Uh, they they could have used a little thickening up in the playing. I think that's fair enough. Um, I will give this one a four. I really love this song. I love both versions. Um, I think we'll yeah. see what I give the other one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh. Uh, yeah, I think it's a great track. Um, 
not noticing as many of the little different uh, uh, maybe I'm just getting used to the production style by this point, but yeah, I'm not noticing as much discrepancies with the original as, as, uh, uh, as I was with previous tracks. Um, okay. So the penultimate track is next. This one also was track nine or the second to last track on the album on the UK version. And this one is of course the super subtle spit it out. And it's interesting because on the on the UK version, it starts right there with the full band. Yeah. And here it like starts with it starts with the guitar intro, which is the same exact thing they did on the previous song. Hmm. So it kind of makes to me it makes it sound a little more formulaic because they started two songs in a row the exact same way. put like their two most ACDC songs <laughs> right together on the album. Oh, no. <laughs> Sykes uh, Pinch Harmonic or whatever it was. <laughs> okay, so you get the Mel Galley thing here. Okay, good. They kept him. But he's a little low. I get Coverdale's the lead singer, but. (laughs) I just like I know what they're doing, and that's why I'm laughing. Yeah. Ooh, there you go. All right, that's cool. He's really feeling himself on this one. That sounds uh, like a kind of interesting. Like sounds like a chorus effect on there. Nice. Well, I always like this part. It's like the trapeze part. Yeah. This is a uh, Mel Galley co-write on this one. Keyboards are sounding very. Those might be Bill Cuomo. I'm not sure. Oh, there you go. That part was new. I think that transition into the guitar solo.
so far seems like the most Americanized song. Yeah. Again, another. Uh, maybe it's a longer fade on this one. I can't tell. Mm. All right, Johnny, spit it out. What do you think? Uh, I I know I, I laughed at this one in <laughs> the last review, but I'm giving this a four. All right. Um, I don't know if I'm just Stockholm syndrome or I'm <laughs> just started to identify with this song, but for some reason. I I just I really like this this version. I feel like I like this version a lot more. I think that like Mel Galley is still in there, and you're right, he is mixed back a little bit, but yeah. it like sonically it sounds better. And I like that the I like that the guitar is mixed up, and that the there are some of the songs where the the keyboard is uh, mixed back a little bit, or it's just part of the whole mix of the song and it's not as out front. And I think in a song like this, it does benefit it. Um, it's just, it's overall, it's, it's, um, it's just, it's heavier and it doesn't, it doesn't feel as, I don't know how, because it's the same exact lyrics and everything, but it doesn't sound or feel as hokey as the other one. Maybe it's just the, the power of the music or the mix. Um, but there are some things in here that I do like a little, a bit better than the original one. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you. Yeah, for some reason, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't <laughs> Stockholm syndrome or maybe it's just being more used to it after just hearing it last week, but um Yeah, it seemed it seemed to be better suited to that kind of production. This the whole trope of the song than it was mm-hmm. you know, it was it was it seemed a little more over the top last week. Maybe we're just crazy and it's just as over the top, but um, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with a four on this one. It's pretty it, solid. It had a little. It had a lot of the uh, Sykes um, guitar fills in there. Very, very eighties. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Very, and uh, I, I never really realized about the album either how kind of in the background they are. They're not like up front in your face, right? Um, so I'm just thinking I, of I like. How like subtle they are. Like flying high there. again, where like every other uh, line, Randy's throwing, he's throwing all these, and it's like just as loud as his guitar solo. Um, yeah. Maybe it's because these songs weren't necessarily written with that in mind, so it would have been stepping mm-hmm. a little bit too much on the vocals. So they're like, the compromise was, we wanted to have that as an element, but we have to mix it down a little so it doesn't cut into every single line that gets delivered. That yeah, I mean, I, I think you'll hear that more in the the 87 album where they wrote it with that intention and with just these musicians doing that one mix. Yeah. Uh, whereas these were, uh, for lack of a better term, tacked on. Right, yeah, exactly. And they didn't want it to sound tacked on, you would assume. Yep, yeah, that's probably it. Okay, so that brings us to the final track on the album, the one to close it all all out. And that is, of course, this was the opener to Side 2 on the UK version. It's the closer of Side 2 on the US version, and that is Standing in the Shadow. 
it's a great, great side opener. The guitar sounds a little like um, that. Ding, ding. It does have a, it does have that ending album feel though. Yeah, it works well as a closer. In a way that Gambler did not on side one. Right. It's got like that piano in the right channel there that sounds. I'm glad they preserved the uh, the integrity of the original vocals with that low vocal under his under yep. the chorus and then Mel Galley doing the high part. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Some nice pinch harmonics. The bass is really kicking in this, too. Yeah. Did it sound like Mel Galley was singing that lower? Couldn't tell. hearing I was hearing the crazy train solo at the beginning what he was doing like I just I yeah I don't know if it's because we mentioned it but I just keep hearing all these Randy Rhodes style <laughs> things that he's throwing in there like a bluesier slower more deliberate Randy Rhodes yeah That drum part sounded weird. I don't know if that's on the original. Jumped out a little bit more to me now. Yeah, I think drums are mixed a little in the back. I think this version's a bit longer because of the longer fade out. That's Standing in the Shadow of Love to close out the album. What do you think of that track? Uh, I think that was um, I think that was great. Uh, I'll give it a four. All right. Um, I, I think I liked it as much as I liked the the original, uh, the original version. It seemed to have maintained a lot of the the same elements 
Um, I, I didn't really hear too much different in there. Maybe a couple of those guitar fills in the background from uh, from Sykes. But um, I mean, I, I like I really like the fact that what makes the song is the 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 high and the low vocals yeah. in the in the chorus and there uh, those are maintained. Uh, those are kept in here. And I couldn't tell if there was that one time it was like standing in the shadow of standing in it sounded like Mel Galley was doing it exactly the same mm-hmm. notes. So I don't know if they overdid it because I seem to remember the UK version being more like standing in the shadow. Like he was going up higher when yeah. Coverdale was doing that lower delivery. So, but maybe maybe that was just one mm-hmm. verse where he did it and maybe it's from the UK version too. I'm not sure. Yeah, I would say the only thing that I maybe didn't like overall was I really feel like the drums were uh, just kind of mixed more in the background, which is kind of a, overall, I think, um, which is kind of a, a crime when you have Cozy Powell playing on an album. Yeah, because he's got such power and it comes, some of the drums sound a little weak in a lot of spots. And that's that's a quite a feat to make Cozy Powell sound weak. But I'm wondering if it was all, if that was all part of the more, quote, American mix to make everything kind of sound more, all together rather than you picking out one uh, kind of uh, one track or something like that, which is probably why they didn't really mix up. I mean, if you think about it, there was really nothing that was really too prominent on any of the tracks, the um, like the, the Sykes guitar parts and stuff like that, like nothing really stood out. I mean, too much. There were a couple of tracks where it's like, Whoa, that's like those, those hi hats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right. Whatever. Well, but, I would say, um, they were maybe trying to put like a U.S. post-production on the drums, like with a little extra reverb to get that kind of big booming sound. But I think in the fact it wasn't recorded with that as a goal. So as a result, you get something that right. doesn't quite sound like what Originally, they're shooting for. Yeah. Whereas if it was recorded, not just mixed in the U.S., they would have mic'd the drums a little differently and, and done some things like that. And it was just it, after the fact, it's too late to kind of cor- correct too much for that. But right. I will give this one a 4.5 because I love the song, even if I, I think I prefer the UK version. We'll see what my ratings say. Um, but that would be uh, that would be my only uh, criticism of it is it's just uh, I. Uh, I really I love the song. I, I don't really I don't know that I care. um I don't know that I uh, there's anything you could do to this song that would make me give it any less than that. It's it's just a really strong mm. song. And I mean, um, I think it's great, too, as like a um, I mean, it works as an album closer, too, because you kind of have that. There's something about the way the song starts. It has a sound of finality about it. And then the way that it fades out on the chorus, it's just sound, it feels really appropriate for the ending of a of an album. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, that that part, I think, was uh, they got it right. Yeah, totally. Um, all right. Well, uh, while John fumbles with the spreadsheet and this got a lot of fumbling to do this week because we got this. This is going to be a lot of math going on. Like very complicated. Ew. But while he does that, I will do something, which is to thank our foundation level patrons. Um, coming in at the $3.33 halfway to evil tier, we have Raf Calf, Spike the Rock Cat, and Spike's Mom. At the $3 Nobody's Perfect tier, Peter Gardeau, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Duncan Leesk, Stuart McCord, Flight of the Rap Bat Blue Light, Ivan Fieldboo. It's a great life. It's a great life. 
Runar Siemensen. JJ Stenard and Ruinous Inadequacies. And at the $1 made up name tier, we have the Spill It Out Leaky Mausoleum, Stephen Somerville, the Concerto 1999 Fanatic, Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel, Blackmore Tights, and John Maselli. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got a pencil? <laughs> All right. What? <laughs> well, he's asking for a pencil. I don't know. I don't know his business. Um, all right. Thank you so much to all of you for all of your generous support to the Deep Purple podcast. And without any further ado. All right, John, where does the U.S. mix of slide it in? <laughs> what else are we doing? Slide it in rank in our album oh. rankings. <laughs> All right, wait a minute, because I'm trying to do I'm trying to do a couple of different things here. Don't don't oh, mess boy. with me right now. Okay. okay, so all right, so we're going to start off by overall. Um, so it gets us seven point five five. Which is Ooh, looks to be spike. like right about dead center of our um, of our ratings. Okay. Um, so that's um, that is good. Uh, let me see. Um, you and I basically liked it the same. You had something that was like point five, yeah, point oh five higher than mine uh, rating here. I was so point five uh, higher than you. I thought I was being a little less generous, but. Uh, okay. Yeah, just a little bit. All right. Um, yeah, so um, we're in between uh, James Gang Bang and Gillen Glory Road. Okay, good company. Yeah. So now, um, as to how they rank against each other, um, so probably no surprise, we ranked the UK release higher. A lot higher than um, I would have thought, though. Was it 8.30? To a 7.55, I think. To a 7.55. Wow. And, yep. And, yeah, so my individual rankings goes um, UK 4.20 to 3.75 for the US, and yours is 4.10 to 3.80. Okay. So, I mean, uh, so the, and the UK version, I liked it a little higher, like by 0.10 than you. So yeah. our variances were almost kind of the same, and, and mine more in favor of the UK, and yours more in favor of the US, even though the US one was lower. Yeah, even though we, um, even though overall we both preferred the UK. Right now, yeah. So overall, yeah. I mean, it's I like I said, I don't think it's any surprise uh, that. Um, now, if we go back to. Um, if we can, we go back to the individual songs. Yeah, the, wanna, so, the songs. Yeah. Um, let me see. Are they okay? So yeah, you've got. Um, um, yeah. So the, since they're okay. not in the same order, it's a little. Um, all right. So give me give me a sec here because I can figure this out. Um, all right. So 
Yep. Already I can, uh, I mean, I could just give kind of a, uh, a rough. Yeah. We don't have to go through every track. Is, yeah. But, um, gambler, we, we rated the UK higher. We both gave it a 4.5. Right. Um, slide it in. We both rate. Well, I gave slide it in UK a five. And I said that I, and that's funny because I said that I, that I think that I preferred the US slide it in. I <laughs> so gave it that lower. Just proves to you folks. In case you thought we were lying, we don't remember what we said last week, and we don't know what we're talking about. Um, that, that well, that well, that's that's a given. If people are yeah. listening, even if this is their first episode and they've made it this far, they've already determined we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, standing in the shadow, um, you rated it uh, the UK and the US the same. I rated mm. the UK a little bit higher. Sure. Um, give me more time. Um. I rated the UK a lot higher, four point five, a whole point higher, mm. and you rated it the same. Um, love ain't no stranger. Um, we both rated the US lower, and we gave the UK both a four. Yeah, we both gave it a four. Um, uh, slow and easy. Um, looks like um, wow, we we rated them the same. Just we about, each rated yeah. slow and easy the same. Oh yeah, we did both the same. Yep. Um, spit it out. Um, yep. Well, you rated spit it out the same. I gave it a little, a little less on the UK version. I gave the US a little bit more. Okay. And let me see. All or nothing. Um, I gave it a three point five and a three point five, and. You rated the U.S. Uh, a point lower. You gave it a four point five on the the U.K. Oh, all or nothing, really. Three point wow. five today. Yeah, wow. I I was really I felt like some of these. I'm like, oh, I think I may be rating this higher, but I I guess I don't know. Yeah. Um, hungry for love. We both gave the U.K. a four, and I gave it a four and a three. You gave it a three point five today, so you preferred the U.S. version a little less. Mm-hmm. Uh, guilty of love. Um, I gave the UK 0.45 and the US for a four, and you gave it a four and a four. And that's it. That's it. That's all the tracks. Well, so I mean, I guess nothing super revealing. I mean, we, I, I, going into it, I was pretty sure I preferred the UK version, and this kind of seals the deal with that. Um, I'm just like I guess like the one thing that I'm shocked about is is like my um that I gave the the UK slided in a five. Yeah, I remembered you'd give something a five. I just couldn't remember which track it was. Yeah, I mean I'm not um I'm a, I'm actually a little <laughs> and it's only it was only a week ago, um and um I'm a little well I'm not surprised by Gambler. I always liked Gambler as the opener and the the UK version um, even though I didn't give it a lot. Um, a lot more than that, but um, my my biggest variance I thought would be um, spit it out, which I only gave it a little bit, a little bit more today. Yeah. Um, than uh, than last week. So, but I mean, it's still it's something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so I guess um, yeah, that was kind of an interesting experiment. Um, I would say. Yeah. Really. Uh, really, no surprise. Um, what do you folks out there prefer? Let us know in the comments or on the Spotify poll or whatever the heck we get going on this week. I don't know because we haven't done it yet. Um, okay, so 
This album came out April 16th, 1984. It was postponed two weeks, but finally came out April 16th. Peaked at number 40 in the U.S. on August 25th, 1984. The album is certified platinum on November of 1987, so it's funny. This album came out, did pretty well in the U.S. The 1987 album comes out, and then boom, this one is immediately certified platinum after the that album, which makes perfect sense. Yeah, everybody um, went back, yeah. And then in 1985, the U.S. remix was released in the U.K., um, so allegedly when a copy of the U S mix had reached David and Mel, they hated it. Mel Galley threw the cassette against the wall and Coverdale, uh, said, uh, it sucks and it's dynamically dull. It's lost its British bollocks. Um, but in subsequent years, he seems to be a little more, uh, forgiving about it. Yeah, um, just throw it in the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> What? It's not the pitch. It's the, um, was, oh, I can't remember what it is. Is it the Swift? <laughs> oh, God. What is it? The flip? What is it? Um, skip. <laughs> the some, skip. Someone, one syllable word, the skip. What did I call the it? Skip. The switch. I, the switch. The slip. <laughs> slip. Is, <laughs> skip it in. <laughs> oh, flip. Flip it out. <laughs> Flip it in the skip. Um, oh my okay. goodness! So, um, so yeah. Uh, and I was talking to Jorg the other day about it, and he was kind of telling me that um, David's recent. Well, I, I, when I say recent, I mean since probably the late '80s. Um, view of this album is a lot more favorable than at the time when it was kind of really a big fight, and he didn't like them Americanizing the band. But I think when the checks started clearing, he was probably mm. like. Whoa! this is a great sound. I like this. Um, Simon Robinson goes on his book. He describes a very long and difficult fight between the band and the record label about the remix, but obviously the record label won out. Um, I, I, I mean, whatever you and I feel about the album or whoever else feels about the album is kind of immaterial because at the end of the day, it was clearly the right move to do. Um, it, it really definitely worked. Um, I'm trying to find, well, maybe I'll look for it in a second, but I thought I had it in here and I don't. But the kind of final word I think I have on this um, comes from David Coverdale himself. Um, I'm just trying to pull it up right now on Twitter. So a while back I had posted um, about Slide It In. I posted something. I can't remember what it is. Let's see uh, as it loads up here. Um, and he responded, hello, darling. <laughs> It wasn't that. Um, oh crap! I'm never gonna find it. Uh, all right. Well, I'll have to look for it later. Um, I have a. I think I have a screenshot of it upstairs. But basically, it was to the fact uh, I posted that. Oh, you know, on this day, whatever that was released in the U.S. The U.S. version, and he responded and said, "This is perfect. It's exactly what I was trying to achieve." And he put like five stars after it. So. Um, that's Ooh. his official word as of whatever earlier this year or last year whenever that was posted um, that's what he says I'm sure he felt differently at the time but you know as as we've learned in recent years he's never stops kind of tinkering with this stuff so we got a kind of a long episode on our hands but should we get through some of the US reviews yeah what the what the heck what the heck what the heck for, for Pete's you know, sake as, um, as Arnold would say I do want some pancakes, Arnold. (laughs) 
All right. I have no idea what that one's from. <laughs> this one comes from Circus, Michael Smolin. White Snake slide into trouble. Uh, White Snake, its lineup boasts a heavy metal who's who in its branch of heavy, uh, of, I'm sorry, of metal's family tree feeds into the roots of numerous pivotal 70s, blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, what does he say? Problems began when Axeman of the band in recent European tour. His recuperation will force him to remain backstage for the early dates on their upcoming U.S. tour. Talking about Mel Galley. Then the news broke about Deep Purple Reunion, for which John Lord packed up his keyboards and bade farewell to, to the albino wriggler. <laughs> um, on the brighter what? side, White Snake's American tour will take place, blah, blah, blah. I guess they're not really talking about the album in this. Never mind. Um, <laughs> this one's fine. What do Ozzy Osbourne, Blue Oyster Cult, Meatloaf, and Dio have in common? All have opened for White Snake. That's interesting. So this is more of just like an ad for the album. Uh, in the racks, this one is from an unknown source. White Snake, the heavy-duty outfit led by former Deep Purple frontman David Coverdale, has built up a huge following in Europe over the past few years. While the band is virtually unknown to all but the most hardcore metal fans over here, Geffen Records hopes the situation will change following the April 2nd release, which was delayed. Um, so then, there he goes. They're just talking about that. Um, here we go. White Snake's album winds its way to success. This is from Daily Kent Stater. Um, it's by Tony Triglio. Um, so it ends with, let's see, he says, uh, it's rare for a band to survive these days with little radio airplay. It is equally rare for such bands to attract the backing to produce a decent album without the benefit of successful market sales, which coinc- coincidentally correlate highly with radio attention. White Snake seems to be one of the exceptions to this music industry rule. For Formed by ex-Deep Purple vocalist David Coverdale in 1977, not correct, the band has endured seven years on the road shunning the typical promotion methods currently in vogue. Their newest release is a final example of the uncompromising band brand of rock and roll that is scarce on new music shelves today. There are no frills, no gimmicks, just straightforward songs reminiscent of the pre-computer days of the record industry. It ends up with uh, this saying, listening to John Lord's work on Slided In raises hopes there are still some bands, though very few, who have dropped the computer chips from the traditional organ sound. Slided In is an exciting uh, diversion among new releases. It is a fun album for those who can ignore the sexism of the lyrics. Hopefully Whitesnake can continue in such unbending fashion and not swell the ranks of bands who have sold out for top 40 success. Well, so much for that. (laughs) Good luck on that, Tony Triglio. This one is from the Cumberland Sunday Times. Uh, Whitesnake slided in. Although Whitesnake has not scored a big... As big in the U.S. as in Europe, the rebirth of heavy metal thanks to MTV should propel the success of this album. All five members have satisfactorily, satisfactory credentials. David Coverdale, vocalist and keyboardist John Lord, were members of Deep Purple. Drummer Cozy Powell was formerly with Rainbow. Guitarist John Sykes hails from Thin Lizzy. Blah, blah, blah. They go through the whole thing. Uh, the molding of such veteran markers is evident of the sound, which is solid rock highlighted by Coverdale's soulful vocals and the searing guitar work of Sykes. This all comes together in the fine production of Barton Birch, known for his work with Foreigner, Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, and Deep Purple. Foreigner? I think they maybe they got that confused with something else, with, uh, uh, what's his name, the, uh, the guy who mixed it? Um, the energy is best captured on such cuts as Slide It In, Gambler, and Hungry for Love. Yeah, I don't know if, like, like, uh, Sykes, um, Sykes guitar work could be 
classified as searing on this album. No, no. In fact, I, I, I was kind of taken with how understated most of his solos were. Like while I was saying he was throwing in some kind of things that were reminiscent of Randy Rhodes, it never got to the point where he was like shredding and doing all this crazy thing. Much, much more so on the 87 album, I think. He was really oh, yeah. understated on this. Yeah, I would say searing, even soaring, like uh, a few years later. Yeah. But on this, I would say, I would definitely agree and say more more understated, but it's still good. Oh, yeah. It's really good. But I mean, if you didn't tell me that it was John Sykes, I wouldn't know. <sighs> no, I would yeah, I would have figured it wasn't Moody or Galley, but yeah, it, right. it, it didn't really scream out Sykes. Um, this one, oh, this one's going to be hard to read. TV host. Uh, it's highly unlikely that any album released this year will match the hard rock credentials of White Snake's debut album on Geffen Records. Slide it in. Um, then they kind of end with the. It says while Slide it in may be Amer- may be American audience's first real introduction to White Snake, the band has been a staple in the European music scene for some time. A series of top-selling albums have brought the band a large and fervent following on the continent, and their incendiary live shows. Oh, I think they're just cutting and pasting directly from the press release. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because sounds- you see them. I bust my bollocks for what I do. That's yeah. the first thing I saw. I'm like, yeah, they, they phoned this one in. All right, yeah, they had a deadline to meet, and they're like, ah, you know what? <laughs> All right, send it to print. <laughs> I bust print my bollocks. One L or two L's in bollocks. Print it. Okay. Um, Arizona Republic, the British hard rock band um, on the European scene for a couple of years. This sound is a mixture of fuzz wah heavy metal and deep purple hard rock. Group founder David Coverdale and John Lord, yeah, we know their history. What comes across on this record besides some exceptional guitar-driven hard rock is the versatility of lead singer and writer Coverdale. Unlike most hard rock vocalists, he can sing. And demonstrated in the opening licks of Love Ain't No Stranger and Give Me More Time, the rest is pure, razor-sharp rock and roll with no pretensions at being anything else. You know, I'm hearing a lot more, uh, as opposed to last week's reviews, these seem to be a lot more favorable. Well, I think it's because, you know, Jeff Bryce uh, sent uh, in his... Email. I can't remember if I said this last week, but he put, he summed it up as um, the UK version of this album was the end of the beginning, and the US version was the beginning of the end. Um, and I think what you're seeing here is the UK audience was like already, even with the UK mix, was saying, "Oh, White Snake, they're already jaded and over them." But now they're getting introduced to the American market, and it's like, "Wow, this is fresh and new and exciting, and we love it." Uh, so yeah, you see two totally different mm-hmm. uh, American audiences. It would take them probably a few years to become jaded on them, and then you know, I'm sure yeah. by the time we get to slip of the tongue, they'll be like, "Oh, they need to hang it up, these old blah blah blahs or whatever." Even though it's only a few years later. Coverdale's 40. He's ancient. He's, oh my God, put him out to pasture. They should just euthanize the man. He's too old. Too old to go on. Um, oh, I love it. Um, this one by Bob Sharp in The Morning Call. Good stuff from the rock heavyweights assembled here, including David Coverdale, who once replaced Ian Gillen as Deep Purple. Okay, they, again, they all go through the backstory here. Um, Coverdale singing evokes memories of Bad Company's Paul Rogers, not only because of Coverdale's distinctive rich voice, but also White Snake's oh-so-British hard rock. Not to say, however, that the ten cuts on this debut album are borrowed from another era. They're original. Each one sounds different, and they're unpredictable. Just as the songs appear to settle into a groove, a new twist or transition makes them even more interesting. Swell. See what he did there? Was it like a snake? Uh. <laughs> and then there's a, there's a review for a Jermaine Jackson album right underneath it. <laughs> 
White Snake and Jermaine Jackson side by side yeah. at last. Releasing albums. Yeah, man. Oh, if only they could have gone on tour together. Um, this one ends with this is from Springfield Le- Leader and Press. It ends with if you have heard one White Snake album, you have heard about all they have to offer. There are some bluesy rock ballads and some bluesy hard rockers. A few years ago, this may have been a successful album, but it's hard to believe that the current young generation of Def Leppard and Motley Crue fans will go for it. <laughs> well, buckle up, my friend. <laughs> Mark Marymont's about to be proven wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, this one's the Cumberland Evening Tempest. Um, speaking of heavy metal, Whitesnake has been grinding away in Europe for quite a while and now has decided to assault U.S. audiences. There are six heavies in the band, and founder David Coverdale is a refugee from Deep Purple. Coverdale confesses that bending metal is hard work. I bust my bollocks for what I do. Sounds like it, too. So, Man, they just love that that line. I bust my bollocks. Oh, it's such a cheeky British expression. Make sure you include that in the piece. <laughs> um, uh, this one is like the same exact thing. <laughs> this I think is um, ex- it's a different yeah. thing, but it's the exact same writing. Um, a lot of copy and paste. This one is the same too. <laughs> <laughs> it bust my bollocks. I'm telling you, they must have been close to a deadline. Everyone's just co- copy and paste that press release. Let's go. I mean, that's why they send out these press releases because they they're like, hey, if you're going to be lazy and just co- and copy and paste what we're going to send you, then we're going to send you something that's really glowing. Um, this is something for the he busts his ball. He busts his bollocks because ballsy. <laughs> <laughs> so check this out all the hot singles at the time white snake slow and easy twisted sister we're not gonna take it david gilmore blue light icon world war don't know that one at all uh slade my oh my wasp show no mercy ozzy so tired <laughs> rem seven chinese brothers and pat travers hot shot so, and they're so all tired. they're all ranked with from five stars to one. Five stars is radical. Four is red hot. Three is good effort. Two is lousy. One is crap. Slow and Oof. easy got got good effort. Mm. Um, Twist, Twisted Sister got good effort. David Gilmore got crap. Icon by World War got red hot, and the Wasp song got radical. Show No Mercy is a pretty cool track. I guess so. So, so tired. So they're not, tired. They're not so feeling, tired is, it is pretty lousy. Yeah, so tired is not my favorite. It's not my favorite Ozzy song and not my favorite Ozzy album. So, so tired. So, so tired. It's like, all right. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, you sound like it. Go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, go to sleep, old man. Um, <laughs> all right. We've got, this is just a uh, White Snake Slow and Easy. And it's produced by Martin Birch. Remixed by Keith Olsen. I think they spelled Olsen wrong. Um Yep. Oh, yeah, they did. And look at this. On t- yeah, they're on tour with Ronnie Dio. Ronnie Dio. <laughs> July 18th um, to July 30th. I think they were just called Dio at that point. But Yeah. And I mean, even if he was, he's Ronnie James Dio, damn it. Yeah, you, you can't just go Ronnie D- It's got to be Ronnie James, the full thing, or just Dio. Come on, get with the program here. Radio or, and or records. Ronnie. This is a record review uh, by Big Bill Merrill. Uh, they go through the whole history, Deep Purple, Rainbow, both Glover and Whitesnake, blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 bollocks. Talk, they talk about Mask, because Mask had just come out. Okay, so finally, at the, in like the last two paragraphs, Whitesnake has followed a more consistent path. Their new album slided in as a reasonable, ex- reasonable extension of what Deep Purple started. Coverdale sings in a familiar heavy metal, macho and throaty, and rhythm 
section is loud and pressing. Where they update their sound to the 80s is the harmony guitar of Sykes and Galley, plus occasional accompaniment from the piano from John Lord. Unfortunately, they have also updated the production to 80s heavy metal standards, which means they have come on too strong at times. Whether it's Whitesnake's Hard Rock or Roger Glover's Experiments in the New Wave, Deep Purple Spirits live on. There are even rumors of the group reforming this fall. Ooh, I wonder if it'll happen. Stay tuned. And then we've got just a couple more left here. This one is Potent White Snake. Potent Potables. Um, uh, Sliding in is too derivative to be another machine head. Particularly annoying are the obvious sexual innuendos that turn potentially strong tracks into sexist trash. Jim Reeves. Well, buckle up. Buckle up, Jimmy. <laughs> this is going to be more of that to come. Yeah, I don't know about trash, but sexist. It means hard to disagree. Oh, sexist? Absolutely. <laughs> trash? Never. Trash? No, it's good stuff. Um, it, it's sexy. No sexist. Ah. <laughs> oh. Uh, White Snake's experience pays off of the new album. Uh, what does it say here in the end? The overall effect is much like Rainbow. Slide it in shows you what musical proficiency can do in the hard work genre. A note to those concerned about such things. Some lyrics are sexually suggestive, others quite explicit. Um, there you go. And it, then they're putting a little addendum here. You know, since the release, Lord and guitarist Mel Galley have left the band and no replacements have been named. Hmm. And then the final review we have, well, it's not even a review, it's just a little picture of, um, it says, Geffen recording artist Whitesnake partied with label execs at a recent Rockline interview. It's really only Sykes, Cozy, and... Um, Coverdale. Um, they're with Geffen's Marco Babineau and White Snake uh, and um, oh, I'm sorry, Geffen's Robin Rothman and Marco Babineau. So there you have it. Some much more favorable reviews than last week's UK. <laughs> oh yeah, much kinder. You kidding me? But oof. Well, that was a that was a marathon session two two in a row of the first time we kind of did anything like this. Uh, let us let us know what you think. I mean, I don't think there's really any other albums kind of quite like this one where we would need to give it this sort of treatment. But um, I think with it was fun. And with that, uh, I think we should probably cut our losses here. It's been those will be another two pretty long episodes in a row. So, yeah, but there you have it. All right, John. Well, with that, my friend, I will see you next week. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> You've been waiting for that one. <laughs> how did you? How did you guess? How did you guess? <sighs> All right, I'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. Hell yeah. Fucking kiss. Wrong podcast. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Fucking white snake. Oh, wait a minute.